What's up, pals, and welcome back to The Passion Project with me, Hallie Smith. You might know me from TikTok or YouTube, but this is a place for us to go deeper. To me, being a content creator is about so much more than just making videos. I created this podcast for other multi-passionate creatives like myself to come together, learn, and grow. My mission in life is to live my life with intention and inspire others to do the same. So I hope that this podcast can inspire you to start your passion project. So thank you for being here and let's get inspired. So today's episode is all about self-awareness. I think that this is such an important topic, not only in general, but specifically when you're talking to multi-passionate people, creatives, entrepreneurs, because our attention and our interest is so easily pulled in many different directions. If we're not self-aware, we have a hard time making the right decisions and you know, choosing which passions to pursue and even just in general, figuring out what you want to do. So I truly believe that self-awareness is the number one key to success and happiness. Now, let's talk for a second about the word success. Success is subjective. Everybody is going to have a different definition of what success means. And now, in my previous sentence, I said the key to success and happiness, but to some people, success might equal happiness. It does to me, success equals happiness. I think that you can go a lot deeper with that, but it's important to understand that like this first layer of self-awareness when we're talking uh, success is to define what it means to you. Success, I feel like I've said that word a thousand times, but I think that's the first step and being able to identify that is going to be really helpful in your self-awareness journey. So with that being said, I want to talk a little bit about my self-awareness journey. Just, you know, if maybe you have started your self-awareness journey, maybe you haven't, maybe you dabbled, but here's how it went for me. And, and again, this is something that's constantly developing. You're going to constantly figure it out as you go and you're going to get better. I started my self-awareness journey in college when I first started getting into podcasts. I, I think it was my sophomore or junior year. I started listening to Rachel Hollis and Ed Milet. Those were the first two podcasts I was listening to and I was obsessed. I would listen to a podcast every single morning. I'm not even kidding. Religiously for a while, I was listening to a podcast every single morning, which, side note, that's ever since that day is when I wanted to start a podcast, so I should have started this sooner. Anyways, I started getting into podcasts, self-development books, etc., which made me start thinking about why I do what I do in a lot of different ways. So self-awareness, what I've learned is it really boils down to understanding yourself from the, from the same type of perspective you would understand someone else. So let me explain that further. If you, maybe you have a best friend and you know everything about them. You guys tell each other your deepest, darkest secrets. You know how they react when they're angry. You know how they react when they're sad. You know what they like to do when they're happy. It's the same concept, but for yourself instead of for another person. It's really hard to conceptually think about yourself as a separate being from who you are. I hope that that makes sense. I feel like that might be a little confusing, but 
So aside from when my my self-awareness journey, like I said, it got started with these podcasts, these self-development books. But I think the biggest leap in in my journey of self-development and uh, sorry, self-awareness was when I discovered mindfulness. And this is when I started meditating. I actually started meditating um, during quarantine. And I was trying not to lose my mind, basically. <laughs> and I discovered meditating. I started doing it at that time. I was doing it every single day. I went through a period where I, I didn't do it for a while. But mindfulness has really helped me to figure out who I am on a deeper level. Meditation, it helps you to stop, slow down, like, turn off the mental chatter and just focus in on your internal state. So along with mindfulness, um, I would say that was probably the biggest thing that's helped me. The second thing is spending time alone. I was someone who always hated being alone. And I think I talked about this in a previous episode, but I was terrified of living by myself because I felt like... I don't, I don't even know exactly why, but I felt like living alone would just be terrible. And I said I could never do it. But then about a year ago, I decided, you know what? I'm going to overcome this fear and I'm going to live by myself. And I did. Now, what this time alone helped me to realize is it helped me to dig deeper on how can I manage myself? So... When I'm emotionally turbulent or I'm trying to navigate a tough situation, I can figure out how I act. It's the same idea, but it's you instead of another person. So you're almost stepping outside of yourself and taking a third person perspective on understanding who you are and how you might be showing up to other people and in the world in general. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is really the four main ways that I feel like self-awareness has helped me uh, and for me to find success both professionally, personally. Number one being in relationships. This is a huge one in both romantic relationships, relationships with family, relationships with friends. Becoming more self-aware has helped me to improve my communication because I understand how I react. How am I going to react in a certain situation? How am I going to respond when somebody, I don't know, criticizes me, disagrees with me, puts a mean comment on my social media? How am I going to react? How am I going to communicate with that person? And how am I going to handle my emotions? The second way that it has really helped me, and this plays a lot into the multi-passionate um, thought process, life, I don't know what you want to call it, shiny object syndrome. I know we all have it. I think everybody has shiny object syndrome to an extent versus is this something that I should actually pursue and is this an interest that I'm truly passionate about? So for those that don't know, shiny object syndrome is essentially when you see somebody's success, you see somebody doing something really good, or maybe you see like the end goal, the outcome of what it could be. So for example, a singer, if you see a singer performing on stage, you might look at them and be like, wow, oh my gosh, I want to do that. I want to be a singer. 
whether it's impulsive or your whole life has um, been dedicated to wanting to become a singer is going to be different. It's going to be a different, you know, outcome. But shiny object syndrome is essentially, it's more impulsive. It's the alternative where you just see it one time and you're like, oh, I want to do that because it looks cool because the end, the end goal, the outcome looks cool. But do you actually want to do it? That's where self-awareness has really played in for me because I do have shiny object syndrome a lot of times. I'll see the outcome of something or I'll see someone, you know, thriving at what they do. And I'm like, wow, they just look, they're so passionate about what they do. It just looks like so much fun. I want to do that. I think I can do that. But I'm self-aware now enough to know that I have shiny object syndrome. So I guess step one, identify if you do have shiny object syndrome. And then from there, I like to think about, now that I understand this, I like to think about what, what process goes into, into all of that. So I'll use the singer example again. If I saw a singer perform and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. So I saw a singer perform and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. Let's take a step back, Hallie, and think, what all is going to go into that? How, what would I have to do? What would I have to become to be that person up on stage, to be a singer like I suddenly, quote unquote, want to be? And then I realized maybe that's not for me. I love singing. Again, this is just an example. But do I think I'll ever, you know, be Olivia Rodrigo? I don't think so. Probably not. But, you know, we'll keep our options open. (laughs) The third thing that self-awareness has really helped me with is confidence. Confidence, confidence, confidence. I feel like a lot of my life I went through not knowing who I was. And which led to a lack of confidence. Confidence is something that I still do sometimes struggle with and I know a lot of people do. So just being fully transparent, it's something a lot of us struggle with. But the biggest thing that I realized was holding me back in terms of confidence was my internal dialogue. I bully myself. I'm not even kidding you. Like the voice, everybody kind of has this voice in their head. Like you're always thinking words, you're thinking thoughts. And if you take a second to realize what is that voice in your head saying, for me, it was so mean. Sometimes it was pushing me like I would, you know, I remember in high school thinking if we lost a game, I would be like, oh, I lost the game because I didn't score this one layup that I missed. I would literally think that like on a daily basis, I notice that my internal dialogue, if I don't regulate it, I'm very, very, very self-critical of myself. And again, I think a lot of other people probably have this issue. And so you don't realize how much of an effect it has on you. But once you do realize that it's happening and you shift that thinking to a more positive, being kind to yourself, complimenting yourself instead of telling yourself you look terrible. If you look in the mirror in the morning and say, I look terrible to yourself, That is going to affect you, whether you realize it or not, in the same way someone else telling you you look terrible is going to affect you. So the internal dialogue, confidence has also, and Ed Milet talks about this a lot. He's one of my favorites. Doing what you say. 
So the way that self-awareness plays into this is not giving yourself an unrealistic amount of work. I I love, I like hustle culture to an extent, but it can go too far. And I know that I can take it too far with myself because I'm perfectionist. I always want to, you know, do the, be the best that I can be, do the best work that I can do. And so being able to set these realistic, put realistic amount of things on my plate, it builds your confidence because if I say I'm going to do three things tomorrow and I do them, you're going to feel like you had a successful, accomplished day. If you say you're going to do 15 things and you only get three of them done, you're going to think that you had a failure of a day. You didn't even get halfway done. So it's helped me to focus in. And again, this is something you're always, I'm always fine tuning and I'm sure, you you know, you'll always be fine tuning. Maybe you're already working on this is finding this nice balance of being realistically ambitious. I'm super ambitious. I'm sure a lot of you listening are also very ambitious, but don't let it get so unrealistic that it's depleting your confidence. And the last thing under the umbrella of confidence is, are you an introvert or an extrovert? I think that's something you hear all the time. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Okay, there's a lot of gray area. There's shades of gray. I heard this thing called an amnivert. Amnivert? I think that's the right way to pronounce it. It's a mix between the two. That's what I am. I am definitely a mix between the two. But self-awareness has helped me realize that because I had no idea. Sometimes I would say I was an introvert. Sometimes I would say I was an extrovert. But it turns out, for me, it's situational. If I'm going to a networking event... Uh, I'm going to be drained by the end. Um, retweet if you agree. And then you need to go charge yourself for days after because it's just so draining. I don't know why. But with that being said, that that example makes me seem like an introvert, right? But I love being around people. Like I don't I don't like being around being by myself for more than I don't know, a little bit. Like, if I'm by myself more than I'm around people, I start to feel like I'm going crazy. (laughs) I don't know if it's because my mind is too active or what, but uh, yeah. So moral of the story, introvert versus extrovert, which one are you? You're probably a shade of gray, but self-awareness will help you figure that out. And the last but not least, the fourth way that self-awareness has really helped me is with decision-making. Where are my procrastinators, my people who struggle to make decisions? Where are you at? Self-awareness, I promise you, will help you with this. I know now to never make a decision when I am emotional or anxious or overwhelmed. If I do, it's going to be a terrible decision. And now that I know that, I can I know the times of day when I'm going to be the best at making decisions. I know that I'm going to run out of time. Like I can only make so many good decisions in one day. So that can, you know, that can help you with planning out your days, planning out your weeks, uh navigating life in general. The decision making will be so much easier for you once you tune into how you best operate, 
when you're best at making your decisions and really just when not to make a decision. Like I said, when I'm emotional, the worst time. So what did I do to get to this point where I feel like I have a certain level of self-awareness? And again, and again, I know I am not the most self-aware person in the world, but what I did to get to where I am today, and I feel like I'm kind of just actively keeping up with this self-awareness regimen, might call it, I don't know. Number one was spending time alone. I lived, I started living alone uh, about year, a little over a year now, a little over a year ago, I started living alone. And that has forced me, not only did it force me out of my comfort zone, but it forced me to get a deeper understanding of who I am. I, I don't know if anybody else has this. Let me know if anybody else experiences this. But I think back and before that time of living alone, I'm like, was I, I was never really all by myself for longer than like 24 to 48 hours. I don't know if it's just me, but in hindsight, I'm like, what was I doing? I was literally surrounding myself with people 24 seven, which good or bad, I don't know. I would say in terms of self-awareness, it wasn't good for me <laughs> because I never took time alone. But I realized that taking time alone is so, so, so important. It's almost like it's nurturing a relationship. Like, like I said earlier, thinking of yourself from the third person, you're a person, just like your friend's a person, just like your family's a person, your parents, your brothers. And you have to nurture that relationship. Hang out with yourself. Hanging out with yourself is so important because if you, it, it'll make you think of yourself in a different way, like from a different perspective in a different light. And I mean, think, think about another person. How do you learn to understand someone else? You hang out with them. You talk to them. And so the same goes for you. You hang out with yourself. You, you talk to yourself. Maybe, maybe don't do that. You could. Um, but better alternative, journaling. Journaling is great. I don't do it super consistently, but I wish I did. I try to, but it's, it's really good for helping cultivate self-awareness getting your thoughts out of your head onto paper you can read them you can analyze them whatever you want to do it's so helpful so along with spending time alone i mentioned journaling the third way that i have cultivated self-awareness and actively work on it is through mindfulness meditation i'm sure i'm not sure like which terms you have heard but Mindfulness and meditation have been a game changer, life changer, I might say. When you meditate, it, again, is time alone. I mean, there are group meditations, but you're taking time to look internally, look at yourself. You turn off your thoughts, essentially. And so when you turn off your thoughts and you just exist purely as who you are, you're going to elicit the, the, the truest, realest form of who you are. So that's the coolest thing that meditation has taught me and mindfulness in general. I think it's a, it's a way of living life, mindfulness is. And you should, if you, you haven't heard of it, 
definitely look into it if you're trying to become more self-aware. I love mindfulness. I use the app Headspace. Definitely not an ad, but I'll plug them because I use it every day. <laughs> uh, yeah, mindfulness, journaling, spending time alone. Those are three major ways that you can help to increase your self-awareness. Now I'm going to end today's episode by giving you guys some action steps. I think I did this in one of the previous episodes, so let me know if you like this. If it's helping you, I will definitely keep doing it. But based on what we talked about today, how to cultivate self-awareness, how to actually start taking steps to improve your self-awareness, or take more steps if you already are, number one is working on your internal dialogue. Don't talk mean to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Treat yourself in your head. I I'm telling you, it really makes a difference. In your head, the same way you would treat somebody you know, a friend, somebody you met on the street. Number two, become aware of how you operate by taking time to reflect. At the end of the day, maybe write down five things that were obstacles in your day that set you back, or five things that weren't obstacles, five things that propelled you forward and made you more productive or excited or want to be working. Five things that made you happy just take some time to reflect, do your journal prompts. Um, and then along with that is the mindfulness meditation. Just reflecting, quieting out, thinking about who you are and how you might be showing up. And number three, check out some general self-development books. Uh, two that I recommend that got me started were number one, You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero and Girl Stop Apologizing by Rachel Hollis. Two really good generalized ones, and as you become more self-aware, you'll be able to decide which types of self-development books are what you need, because that's a huge thing. Like I said, decision-making. You'll know what you need if you are aware of yourself. Oh, and one more, since we're multi-passionate, How to Be Everything by Emily Wapnick. That was a good one for us multi-passionates, okay? So that's a wrap on today's episode. Be sure to like and subscribe if you're over on YouTube. If you're listening, give us a review. It would mean the world to me. And of course, send this episode to somebody that you think could also benefit. So thank you so much for being here and I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Peace out, pals.